Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on How, Discovering God's Heart for His People. Philippians chapter 1. Let me encourage you with a, a thought as we dive into it. Uh, the book of Philippians is probably one of my favorite go-to books in the Bible. It's a personal letter that Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi. Uh, it's a very practical letter that he is writing. Uh, if you go back and study, Paul was proclaiming the gospel, and uh, Paul had been arrested. He writes this from a damp dungeon, uh, rat-infested jail cell, probably in Rome, and he writes this letter to the believers over in Philippi just to encourage them. And this is such a great, great book. I would encourage you over the next seven days, over the next seven days, uh, Philippians has four simple chapters, but read Philippians every day. I mean, over the next seven days, just kind of recalibrate, read it every day. It's practical, it's personal, it's how to keep a healthy perspective with uh, uh, dealing with problems, it's how to be thankful in the midst of rough circumstances, and we've got so many stories coming in here today, and man, all of us experience pain and, and dilemmas and, 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 and uncertainty and I mean, I know our brother Spencer is battling health issues right now, but there's so many people in this room right now that are going through something. And man, if you want to have a great perspective from God's standpoint, read the book of Philippians every day for the next uh, just seven days. Or if you get excited about it, read it every day for the next 37 days to finish out the year. There's 37 days left in the year. You want to finish it strong? Read it every day. I know you're looking at each other going, wow, only 37? I promise you. I, 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 I didn't do real well in math, but I looked at it this morning, and I think that's what I counted. But if I'm off by two or three, give me some grace, okay? But no, 37. Philippians chapter 1. I'll start in verse 2, but verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus located in Philippi, verse 2. He goes, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, unmerited, undeserved, kindness and favor from God being extended. Uh, peace, man, allow the tranquility and the shalom of God just to saturate your heart. Grace and peace to you. And then listen, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy and my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, I'm confident of this very thing, that God who began this good work in you, he's going to be faithful to perfect it and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, it's only right for me to feel this way about you. I've got you in my heart, man, since in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You guys matter to me. Ah, oh, you're partakers of grace with me. And God is my witness how I long for you to be with you, to spend some more time with you. I long to be with you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here we go. And then he says, here's my prayer for you. I got a prayer for you. He goes, I pray that your love may abound more and more and more in real knowledge, understanding, and discernment. Ah, oh, I want to see your love grow. 
And then he says, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, so that you can live a life that's sincere, which means without cracks and all this uh, blemished integrity. I want to see you live sincere. I want to see you live blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. And having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus, to the praise and glory and honor of God, I want to see you guys flourish. Is this not a great, great passage to ponder? So let me say this to you. Paul starts this letter by blessing people and by being thankful for people. If you read just the word you in these first 11 verses, he says, oh, I remember you. I pray for you. Christ began a good work in you. I have deep affection for you. You are in my heart. I want to be with you. This is so crucial because here's the point. You've got to enjoy people if you're going to lead people. You've got to enjoy people if you're going to have influence and impact with people. And I've had so many people around me over the years say, Oh, Tim, I could really live this Christian life to the full if I didn't have to deal with people. Well, no, you couldn't live it to the full because you're a people and other people have to deal with you. And Paul starts by going, oh, look at you. I'm praying for you. I remember you. I love you. You're on my heart. God's doing a work in you. So you got to stop and say, do you enjoy people? Do you enjoy the people in your house? Yeah, y'all be careful with the body language, but do you? <laughs> do you enjoy the people that you work with? Do you enjoy the people that you're going to sit down on Thursday and eat yard bird with? Because <laughs> some of y'all have already started getting worked up about dealing with so-and-so at this family get-together. Oh. Man, why do you want to go there on this Sunday? Man, I was just going to deal with it Thursday. But that's what we've got to ask because the point is you cannot ignore people and love people. You can't be aloof with people and lead people. You can't be rude to people and have great influence with people. Oh, you can't act like Bobby Boucher with your people's skills. You've got to up your game. You've got to. So I'm going to give you four simple things that you can do. I'm going to break down four principles out of this text, and then I'm going to drive it home at the end. But this is all practical, one-on-one -on -one stuff that you can do, not only today, not only this week, but for the remainder of your life. If you'll take Philippians 1 and allow it to be kind of a launch for you, you can live this out. First point would be this. Choose to have a heart of gratitude. It is a choice. Choose to have a heart of gratitude. In verse 3, I thank God every time I remember you. And I know for some of us, there's people in our world that it's hard to thank God for. Oh, they drive me crazy. Oh, they just know how to push all my buttons. Oh, I can't believe we've got to deal with them for two or three hours. And for some people, 
you have to work a little harder to find something good in their life. If I walked around this room right now and started talking to you, I could find one good thing that I choose to emphasize. I can emphasize what I want to in your life. And we live in such a negative culture, and we turn on the news, and everything we pretty much hear is dogging, is slandering, is degrading, and all this stuff. And we really do have to work and train ourselves to look for something redemptive and positive in other people. But I promise you, if you do it, you can find it. You can, you can do it. And, and you can choose what you emphasize. Uh, for, for some of us, for some of us, we're going to have to spend a little more time in the morning getting our heart right and our mind right and our attitude, but our attitude determines whether we extend gratitude. It does. I mean, and you're going to have to figure out whether you're going to live with a heart of gratitude. When people see you coming, are you known as one that builds up or one that belittles? I'm just telling you right now. And, and we have to determine that we're going to be a thermostat when we walk into the room and we're going to change the temperature toward it being positive and encouraging paul goes do you realize every time i think of you i give thanks to god for you oh is that not a great attitude to have and here would be a second thing i would say to you under this point never forget the people that have been loyal to you i mean this is a time of year where you start to look back over your life and there's some people that have been loyal to you. They've stood with you when you were being a jack rabbit and your life was living in rebellion and you were coming off the rails and when you went to recovery and when you went to rehab and when you went through financial bankruptcy and when you went through whatever, there's some people in your world right now that stood with you. Oh, and at times your attitude and actions gave them a reason to write you off. I don't want to be around this person anymore. They're driving me crazy. But think about the people that were loyal to you, the people that stood with you. And Paul is writing this from a damp dungeon again, a Roman jail cell. And he's like, man, do you realize look, what he says in verse 5? You guys helped me. You guys stood by me. You guys participated, you gave, you were financially involved. Man, y'all hung in there with me. And I just want to say thank you. And I promise you, this is a great, great time of the year to stop and go, who's been faithful? Who's been loyal? Who's been trustworthy? Who's been dependable? Who stayed in there with me when a lot of other people were walking out? Oh, they invested in me. They influence me, point one. You can live it out this week. Choose to have a heart of gratitude. It's possible. Choose to focus and emphasize something good and redemptive in the other person. Second point, simple. You can do this. Pray for others. That's what he says. And all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Oh, how did you get there? And I can tell you from personal experience, and you know it from personal experience, Coach, even with what you've gone through with some hard stuff this week, when people tell you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying specifically for you, oh, I'm calling your name out to the Father, it just inspires you. When you know somebody is praying for you, Mark, and it's like, dude, I've been praying for you. 
And man, I've been asking God, man, just to, to minister to you. Oh, when you remember somebody in prayer and call their name, and even you see them and go, Carrie, I've been praying for you in Spencer. Steve, I've been praying for you, brother. Phil, I've been praying for you. It does something to us. Oh, you can pray for people. And, and not only does it touch the heart, but the greatest way to change a jacked-up relationship with a family member or, or a friend is to start praying for them. It's hard to be ticked and pray for them at the same time. You ever started praying for somebody and still just had all kinds of a raunchy attitude? How can you approach the throne of grace and be lifting up somebody to the Father and still be so stinking ticked off? I, I'm telling you, it will do two things. It will change your attitude. It will change your heart. And the second thing is, it will probably change the other person. The Holy Spirit is all of a sudden working in you. You're not carrying this thinking. Uh, frustration and irritation 24-7 around. Steve, we start praying for people, and all of a sudden, man, it's like, ah, oh, man, I don't know what happened, but God's starting to change them. Well, God's changing you. You're starting to get the right perspective. You're starting to believe it. And, and here would be the point. When you tell somebody, come on, get you a seat. I'm so glad y'all are here. But when you tell somebody, I'm telling you, my man Kenneth from California, some family, they come in here looking like old school earth, wind, and fire. I love the styling, profiling. Yes, I do. I love it. I was like, that's got to be friends of yours, Kenneth. They come walking in, and I'm like, hmm. Yes, do you remember? But here's the point. Here's the point got to love on them. But here's the point. Listen to me. When you say you're going to pray for a person, what do you say? Man, do you realize that you just don't have to be general? You don't have to just throw like a five-minute like word up. You can start to pray specifically for people when you know they're going through something. When you stop, what are you praying for people? And Dan, it is so awesome right here in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, Paul lays it out. For some of you, you're like, I don't even know how to pray for a person. I'm going to give you some clues and hints right here that you can implement starting today and throughout the week. Come on. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Now, I read initially out of the New American Standard. I want to read that again. This I pray, that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and real discernment. He goes on to say, so that you can approve the things that are excellent, in order so that you can live sincere and blameless lives before God. That, that's what I'm praying for you, that you would be filled with righteousness, that you would live to the glory and praise. The New Living says, I pray that your love will overflow, that you will keep growing every day in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to live pure and blameless. May you always be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Oh, I'm praying that the character produced by Jesus will bring much glory and praise. Here's four simple things. You can pray this for your people. Ah, oh, this would be so easy and so good for you to do. One, I'm praying that you grow in love. He uses the word abound or even to overflow. 
And the metaphor that Paul is using is the picture of a tidal wave just, just overflowing with so much water. And he goes, oh, Cole, when I'm praying for you, I'm praying that you would overflow with agape unconditional love. Would that not be a great prayer to pray over your wife, to pray over your kids, to pray over your family, just to stop and go, I'm praying that they would receive and recognize the power of God's love, but they would just overflow with love. Oh, I'm praying that for you. The second thing he lays out here, oh, I'm praying that you would make wise choices. I just want you to discern and understand and have right knowledge of what's going on. You can pray this over people. I promise you, you can say, Lord, I just pray that the wisdom and the discernment and the knowledge and understanding of God would saturate their minds, and I pray that they would make wise choices as they walk out into the world today, this week. Man, we pray that over our kids. Oh, I want to see them make wise choices. Yes, I know they're from this gene pool, and I know, Lord, there's some limits in it. But through the power of the gospel, give them wisdom. Yes. The third thing he says is, I pray that their character is holy. He talks about being pure. He talks about being blameless. And I can tell you this. Oh, I pray that they would have a clear head and a clean mind. And I pray, Father, deep down inside their heart, they would not compromise and negotiate. I pray in Jesus' name for just a strong character. I mean, that's what we want to see in our spouse, in our kids, in our loved ones. Oh, I just want to see your character strong. You can pray this for people. The last thing he says, pray that they live for God's glory. Pray that they're not just sucked into living a life of hedonism. Pray that they're not just totally living for self and self-absorption and self-consumption. Lord, Lord, I pray that they would live for your glory no matter where they're at. If you stop, I promise you and just say, hey, I'm going to start praying this every day. Even as I go into the week, Esposito, this is so crucial. This is so practical and doable for everybody. I'm going to stop, Lord, and giving thanks. Lord, I'm going to stop, I'm going to call them by name, and I'm going to get specific in my prayers. Oh, it will change. It will change you, and it will start to change the room and culture and environment that you're in. Here's a third one. Oh, we've got to embrace this one right here. Be patient with your growth, be patient with your progress, and be patient with other people. Oh. The greatest thing that some of you could do this morning would be to extend some grace to yourself. Man, we can get upset and frustrated that we're not further down the road. We can get so ticked off that, man, I should be grow, growing so much more by now, and I've been stuck. Stop. Man, there's some things you probably need to repent and let go of, but God is going, hey, verse 6, being confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to perfect it, to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I think one of the things that hinders us is, is we do not extend grace to ourselves, And we'll start to walk and we make one or two blunders and we throw the towel in and go, well, I can't live it. Yes, man, be easy. Stop, God. This is a great time to pray. 
Lord, I know I'm still jacked up. I know I still operated in flesh patterns at times. Lord, I still am so self-centered. Lord, I just want to stop and repent of that. Oh, Lord, I don't want to live that way. Lord, I, I need to re remind myself that you're working in me both to will and to act according to your good pleasure. Lord, I need to remember that you've started to work. Now, let me say this, because this is a crucial passage for me in regards to even salvation. Being confident that he who began a good work in you, you've got to make sure that it was God who began the work in you. A lot of people that flirt and even affiliate at times with church, God did not start the work. There's a lot of people, their marriage was hanging on by a thread, and they come and they kind of run to God, but they're not running to God on God's terms. They're running to God on their terms, and they're really trying to save their marriage instead of experience his salvation. And I've seen that happen so many times. Or some hell-bent, wild, living prodigal. Man, I got I to gotta get in church. And all of a sudden, they run to God wanting to see their, their child fixed instead of experiencing God's salvation. You've got to meet God on God's terms. And you've got to come to know him for who he is. And you can't reduce him down to manageable terms and make him what you want him to be. So when Paul writes this, he goes, I'm confident that God who began a good work in you, that God is faithful to mature, complete, and perfect. But you've got to stop and go, who started the work in me? Was it guilt? Was it shame? Was it pain? Was it, or did I come to God on God's terms? And I tell you, I think this would help clarify for so many. But once I know, God, you started this work in me, it really is you that's doing the work. You really do want to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I can ask or think. I get it. A lot of times what I've got to do is just stop and breathe and go, man, good news. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Danny, he's not going to get rid of me. He's not going to throw me away. I'm saved and secure. I'm not delivered yet totally, but God is in the process of delivering me every day. <sighs> I got to walk into it, and it starts to free you. But, 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 but. If you're going to take this passage, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to perfect it, mature it, and complete it until the day of Christ, you've got to be patient with the progress of others. And the word patient in the New Testament, in the Greek, the literal definition of the word patient means slow to boil. And some of us were quick to become hot, we get hot-tempered, we get hot-headed, and the Lord goes, hey, 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 I'm doing a work in this person's life. Now, I, I, I've dealt with people, and I can promise you that it's something else that started the work of them kind of trying to figure it out. It, it hasn't been the power of the gospel. You can tell in some, it's like, ah, man, that's, that's not a God-centered uh, kind of movement going on right there. But when you start to deal with other people, I promise you, you got to stop and go, who do I need to be patient with? Because I can promise you for every guy and gal in this room, and it doesn't matter what your chronological age is, I can tell you for all of us, Sandy, I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not what I'm eventually going to be. That dash is still being lived out right now, and the potter has got this piece of clay, 
and he's still working on me every day. And I think sometimes we're not patient with other people's progress. And, 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 and if we're not careful, here's what we do. We start to look at an individual's life, and we look at how far they've got to go instead of how far they've come. And there's a lot of people that have made a lot of improvements, and God has really been working in their lives. But they're not moving at the speed of pace like we want them to. And somewhere along the line, we thought we were the fourth member of the Trinity, and we should be able to gauge how fast somebody goes. And God's like, stop it. I'm still breaking them. I'm still crushing them. Man, we got to get that light fixed. But I'm telling you right now, one of the things for me that I've come to realize is that life is a matter of growth. I'm growing every day, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, socially. God is still doing a work in my life every day. So Caleb, if you look at me like, Dad, you ought to have this figured out by now. God is still growing me up. I promise you, you can do this going into the week. You can choose to have a heart of gratitude. You can really choose to pray for other people. You can be patient with your own progress, and you can extend grace with others. Here's the fourth one. You can choose to authentically love people. Oh, I am a recipient of the love of God. And he even says in verse 8, Oh, how I long for you with the affection, the affection of Christ Jesus. He goes, I'm longing for you. The word storge is the Greek word there. There's four basic words for love, right? You've got the word agape, which is unconditional sacrificial love. You've got eros, which is a more sexual marriage, passionate kind of love. You've got phileo, which is brotherly love. But storge is this deep-gutted, affectionate oh, family, like a mom holding that newborn. I, I've got a Affection for you. You can't do anything on your own. And when you read that word, you go, oh, that's a deep kind of affection to have. And Paul is writing going, oh, I long for you with the affection. I want to see you flourish with the affection. I want to see you set free with the affection. And if you're going to enter into loving a person with that type of storge affection, here's what you got to do. And we talk about how your story matters. If you're going to engage with other people and enter in with that kind of love, you got to get to know them and you got to get to understand them. You got to spend time and you just got to go, hey, what's, what's your story? What's your narrative? Ivan and Peter, uh, Peter were two Polish peasants. And Ivan and Peter hung and partied and ran together for a while. But Ivan looks at Peter. And Ivan says to Peter, I love you. And Peter looks back at Ivan and says, what hurts me, Ivan? And Ivan goes, how do I know what hurts you? And Peter says, don't you tell me you love me until you know what hurts me. If you're going to love, authentically love people, Every person I meet has got a story going on. Every person I meet has got something going on in their narrative right now. 
Somebody's been knocked down this week. Oh, this has been a tough month for some people in this room. And you walk in here and you're like, oh, I just need somebody to love me and grace me and just spend some time and just kind of shepherd my heart. A couple came for the first time, friends of Jesse. And uh, the son was. And they came for the first time. And I, I'm like, I haven't seen you guys in a while. How are you doing? She's like, we're doing okay. You guys been back to Kansas City recently? We were five weeks ago. I'm like, really? She goes, my mom passed away. I'm like, I'm so sorry. The other day, my buddy Neil has a shop. Caleb was down doing some work there. And I promise you, this lady comes up. Nobody knows her. And she's like, do y'all vacuum cars here? There goes Caleb. You got it? He goes, I got it. He goes out and starts vacuuming this lady's car. She's probably late 60s, early 70s. And he's vacuuming her car out. And I walk over and I said, how are you doing today? And she goes, oh, I'm all right. And I said, uh, what brings you in here? And she goes, well, I'm getting ready to, to move to Virginia. My husband died six weeks ago and I just can't stay here. And I'm like, and I'm telling you right now, for so many people, when they go through the holidays for the first time without their mama, without that dad, without that spouse, oh, Mark, you know how hard it was, brother. It was a whole new kind of rhythm of saying, I don't even know how to approach this. And if you don't have people like Dallas and Sandy around you that you can just love, just love with, oh, I'm hurting. I don't even know what to do because I've done it this way for 20 years or 30 years or 50 years. And that lady, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm telling you, if you know what hurts them and if you're willing to just engage, Leilani, in their story, you go, how are you doing? What's going on in your narrative? Because we want to be able to love people with the love of Christ. And there's so many people that called our names to the Father. When Hannah gets diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, people reaching out, sending text, praying for you. Is there anything we can do? Caleb gets diagnosed. We thought Barb had asthma and bronchitis for all these years, and she actually has a specific genetic mutation of cystic fibrosis. And you know as well as I do, them people just reaching out, I love you. And when they know what hurts you or what you're going through, they've got permission to speak into your space. And they can practice what we talked about a few weeks ago, tikkun olam. It's the healing of the world by entering into the pain of where somebody is. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to give you some practical things. Oh, this is for every person in this room. I'm going to give you some practical things, and then we're going to shift into a time of prayer and blessing, okay? So here's the close. You've got to stop and go, who am I thankful for? Who do I appreciate right now in my space? It's like, have I taken the time to drop them a text, to send them an email, to write them a personal card, to pick up the phone, to ask them if I can grab coffee? There's people in your life right now, you go, I'm so thankful for them. And you've got to stop and just say, I've got to make time to speak a word of blessing. And I just want to encourage these people. They've been with me. They walk with me. They, they've been loyal. Oh, I've got to be able to do that. So I don't know who the one, the two, or the five that God brings to your heart right now, but please take some time and write it out to go, I just want to reach out and say thank you. Here's the second thing. 
How are you praying for those around you today? How are you praying for them? I'm talking about your kids, your spouse, whoever, your parents. It's, it's, it's laid out. Pray that they will be filled with love. Pray that they will make wise choices. Pray that they'll do the right thing and just have incredible character. Pray that they'll live for the glory of God. Take this and start praying it this week over your kids and people in your world. You can do this. And I promise you, it'll change your attitude. And you'll move to, to gratitude. You're going, I'm going to start specifically praying this. Then you've got to ask the question, who, who do I need to be patient with right now in regards to their growth? Is it yourself? Your spouse? Your kids? And the, and the Lord has maybe even been convicting you and speaking to your heart right now, saying, you need to spend more time talking to me about them than pointing your finger at them and putting them down. Stop doing that. That's not anything redemptive. Oh, so you know how to dog somebody? Great. So does the rest of the world. Man, he tells us to, 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 to lift up our eyes to the hills. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Ah, just come to me and talk to me, Tim, and release it. And even if, we're going to deal with this thing next week on forgiveness because after talking about gratitude, you're going to probably have to work through some forgiveness issues by the time we get to next Sunday. But here's the deal. Like, if you look at Matthew 6, he talks about, hey, he talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about giving and how the Pharisees had jacked it up. And he goes, I want your heart right. And I promise you right now, it's like, who do I need to be patient with? And then the last thing would be this. Who do I need to extend the love of Christ to? When people ask you over the next week, hey, man, how are you doing? And instead of just saying good, say, hey, let me share with you some things since you ask that God is doing in my life right now. Let me share with you how there's been some transformation in my life over the last year or two years since we've seen each other. I promise you, it's a teed up opportunity. People are going to say, hey, what's new? Ah, oh, nothing. Jonah Gwynn, you got to tell them what's new. And when they ask you, it's teed up. And you go, man, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. Oh, the Lord is starting a renovation of my heart. I repented back in October. Man, I've been walking with Jesus for two months, and I, I'm, I'm learning and growing right now. What's new? Ah, oh, man, I'm about six weeks into this thing, and it's amazing. And you're going to have an opportunity to share the hope of the gospel with other people. I just want to step into that space. Can you do this? Everything I shared with you is biblical. It's practical. It's doable. And it's transferable. Step in that space. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there. Uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.